it's so awesome you're able to join us and and uh, start a continue with just students talking and, and uh, having discussions about what's been occurring for the past two years, what the university experience has been like for us. And um, so maybe Julie will just start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're going to school and, and um, a little bit about who you are. So my name is Julie Pranger and I'm trying to enter my second year in the physical therapy program at Western University. So I did my first year in the 2020-2021 school year and I ended up taking a medical leave of absence in the year uh, the mandates were announced and then I was cleared by my doctor um, to come back uh, this past month and um, yeah when I tried to like after I submitted the doctor's note and I asked if I, I couldn't you know, enroll my courses, they told me no, because I was not in compliance with the university's booster mandate. Unreal. Uh, okay, we're going to have to get into all that. Obviously, there's so much to talk about there, especially with what's happening with Western lately, uh, and in the news. But let's jump back to 2019. I'd love to hear at the end of 2019, what your experience was at the start of the pandemic, and sort of how you came to, to have the stance that you do. Um, just walk us through what your story is in regards to that. So like 2019, the very end of 2019 is when COVID kind of came out and then 2020, it really started building and then suddenly everything was locked down. And um, yeah, I think at first, like early in 2020, I was just kind of like, oh, it sounds like a nasty virus. Hope I don't get sick. And then, you know, suddenly in March, everyone's like, we have to lock down. Like it's so deadly. And I was like, it's so deadly. Why didn't you close the borders earlier? And if it's already in Canada, like why, why are you locking us all down? I thought it was very odd. And I thought it was very odd that they were closing schools because we'd hardly found any COVID in kids yet and they weren't getting really sick. So I kind of was like, what is this? And someone's like, it's just a flat in the car. It's just two weeks. So the hospital systems don't get overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, I guess. And then it just kept going, you know, two weeks and then two months, three months. And, you know, we couldn't gather for like family gatherings. You couldn't gather to worship. Like, you know, they started shutting down non-essential businesses and, you know, things weren't really adding up. Um, so I started having a lot of questions about our approach. So yeah, I just kind of, I was pretty quiet about it. I had initially watched the news on COVID from about March 2020 to April 2020. And I just got really ticked off because it was nothing almost but fear porn. Like they were just, they were really trying to just instill this sense of horror in all of us. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to fill my mind with this. So I was just kind of, you know, just, just put it out of my mind and just like whatever people are just kind of being unreasonable. And I mean, I know for me, like, I'm in the younger age group. So I guess part of the reason I wasn't as concerned was because I knew it very much targeted uh, people like who were a lot older with comorbid conditions um, in terms of severe outcomes. So um, so you were yeah. actually listening to the statistics and looking at the, the real facts and assessing it from there. That's just not what most people were doing. <laughs> well, it's pretty obvious. Like yeah. even HWO at that point was saying people in the 20 to 29 age group had a 0.2% chance of dying, which we actually found out later was much, much lower. Um, I actually looked at the Oxford risk calculator um, later that, or later 2021, 20, because I was listening to some FDA briefings 
when they were approving um, these COVID vaccines. And then I, I found out with the Oxford risk calculator and it's actually much, much lower than that, even for risk of hospitalization for me. But yeah, anyways, it was just kind of, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of common sense and, you know, people were very scared anyways, and they were wearing masks. And um, I, like I said, I don't like getting sick, but I kind of figured the virus was, you know, aerosolized. And I'm like, why putting a piece of cloth over your face? Like, how is that going to help? So I thought things were a little odd, but I mean, when the mandates came on, I'm like, okay, fine, I'll put the mask on. It doesn't work, but whatever. And so I just kind of went along with it, um, you know, was pretty good about not breaking the social gathering rules, not like perfect, but I was like, you know, whatever. I just kind of thought, like I said, it was kind of ridiculous. And then, but that it would off. end soon. You're right. And that, okay, I'll just go along with it. Cause this is going to be over soon. And we'll see after that. These, these measures didn't really make sense, but didn't stop. <laughs> yeah. And then the vaccine started coming out and I assumed there would always be like optional, especially given their investigational nature, right? Like how can you force someone to take a vaccine that is that you are still testing, right? It's only under emergency use authorization. And then suddenly I like, I guess I was almost blindsided by it. Like I started to notice a tiny bit of like animosity towards those who didn't want to take the vaccine for whatever reason. And then the mandate started coming in. And then I was like, uh oh, well, this doesn't affect me yet. And then end of August of 2021, it's like, no, like we're going through two. And I was like, what? And that's, I'm like, at that point, I realized like I wasn't uh, prepared to take the vaccine. But also, I realized at that point, we had such a huge issue, like in point, like in the point of our society, too. I'm like, that we would come to the state of fear and of forcing people to take yeah. an investigational product. I'm like, I have to take off. And like I said, I had a medical condition, so I could take medical leave of absence anyway. And like, I'm not up going to school, but I think I need to fight this, um, this battle that we're facing in our society. So that's what I did for that year. Amazing. It's so interesting too, how like, I mean, I watched the news for a while too, and just how it all seemed to actually funnel towards, you know, the fear and everything just towards getting a vaccine. Like in hindsight, it's so, was so pushed towards you because everything blindsided, you know, for anyone with a bit of common sense, it was so blindsided. Like, where are they getting all this stuff from? But in hindsight, it really was towards getting people to be vaccinated, taking an, an experimental, you know, uh, drug. Yeah, so fascinating. And I'm also interested, did you have anyone that you could talk to about this stuff and kind of bounce your thoughts and opinions on it with? Like maybe friends or like, other students family was there anyone that you were chatting with or was this mostly like you looking into this stuff on your own and just thinking about it and then going okay this is silly but it'll end soon um yeah like I said I, I didn't look into it too much for the first year like up until the mandates came on I just knew enough to be like this isn't adding up like I had been told already that the you know case rates for COVID hospitalization actually a lot of them were hospitalized for uh, um, issues other than COVID. I think Ontario's official stats for 47% were hospitalized for reasons other than COVID and COVID was just an incidental finding. So I knew that. And um, so I knew we were being lied to. So like I said, I didn't talk too much to other people about it. I had some relatives who started trying to tell me like, hey, Julie, like these vaccines are coming out. Um, you know, some doctors are saying that this might be an issue or that might be an issue. And I was just so angry with this whole COVID narrative and the fear that they put inside of us. I'm just like, I don't want to listen to it. Just, just don't tell me about it. So I knew a little bit, but I didn't want to know a lot about yeah. it. Yeah, that's fair. 
Um, okay, well then I'd love to hear about what happened with breakdown, what happened with your school, um, with Western. Uh, tell us all about it. Yes, so I was uh, planning on going back in August of 2021 anyways. Um, so I had a medical condition and I'd been told I could take a medical leave absence, but I really, really wanted to graduate with my classmates, right? We're kind of, we're a part of something. Yeah. And so I was preparing to go back to school and um, then the mandates came on and I was like, no. And like I said, I told you what my kind of line of reasoning was for that, but it was kind of sad too, because, you know, I wanted to graduate with my classmates and I realized they didn't even want me anymore. Like one of my classmates of kind of a leader, they're like, oh, we're having some um, some events to welcome the new students. We'll make sure everyone who comes to these backyard events is double backs just to be safe. Did you say backyard? Uh, Was it outside? Yeah. <laughs> no. um, it's so fascinating how it seems the students too, in many cases, really engaged in this kind of rhetoric about isolating those who don't agree with this particular narrative or don't agree with these these measures or, or mandates and do you find that with with your students it sounds like that from from this instance yeah and like i'm not even on social media much and i saw that and then i know there was another individual with whom i practiced with quite a bit like our clinical skills and they started they posted this demeaning meme tell saying how you know people who didn't want to take the vaccine, you know, who thought there could be adverse events for like people who refused to feed their children because they were afraid of like, you know, food poisoning or choking or something, which obviously is a terrible analogy because <laughs> I don't take the vaccine, I'm not gonna die, but if I don't eat, I will die. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these are supposed to be healthcare professionals and they have that level of yeah. reasoning. And I'm like, yeah. like I, what's really scary is that these me. are our future healthcare professionals, yeah. right? And that we're hearing this from those individuals. Like, I, I think I told you over the phone the other day, I had doctors contacting me and saying, you know, basically shut down your Instagram. Do you not trust doctors? I was like, well, I do trust doctors to an extent, but doctors are human and they can make mistakes too. So I'd like to hear not just one doctor's opinion, but, but multiple doctor's opinions. And they just couldn't handle that. And I was like, well, tell me the facts then. Like you tell me the facts not just tell me to be quiet because that that's not really what a doctor should be doing but not science at all either right like science is meant to be questioned it's allowed to be questioned and it's it's this thing where people we have a society it feels like right now where you're very much categorized as to your where you may be what you might be taking in school like it's been graded almost if you're not a doctor you don't have a right to question these things although they're policies that would be affecting everyone in the public so amazing in that Quick hindsight, though, the real crime, I think, in past years was the analogies, like so many bad analogies going on. That's just crazy. But, yeah, yeah sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doctors aren't even allowed to speak out. I saw what their college put out, too, and they basically threatened anyone who was going to deviate from the narrative. So, you know, if they have to, you know, scorn us and muzzle the doctors, there's something really wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's no um, debate happening. They're not allowing the debate to happen. And there's a statistic thrown around so often where, and I got this constantly, people are saying, so you don't agree with 99% of doctors. I was like, well, where are you getting this like group of doctors that you're doing this poll from? Like 99% of all of the doctors on earth, is that the poll? And 99% of them agree that I should get vaccinated? I don't think you know where that statistics from because statistics can be misleading. 
Exactly. And especially like exactly from what Julie just said is the sense that so many of them were already silenced, right? Kicked off of all their platforms or, or you know, kicked off by the, uh, penalized by the college's physicians and surgeons. So it'd be very tough to anyways, get an accurate reading on that uh, statistic. But yeah, it's, that's fascinating. Gosh. And like, even, even if they hadn't been silenced, which I think is a big part of the problem, uh, like you guys were alluding to, people can make mistakes, right? Like we used to believe that the cause of cardiovascular disease was all saturated fat. And then we found out that the Sugar Research Foundation paid off those Harvard scientists mm -hmm. probably about 50,000 in today's dollars to put the blame on, you know, the fats, whereas, you know, the sugar causes inflammation and all that. So um, there, we've been wrong before and same with how we used to give pregnant women x-rays and that continued for decade, decades, even though it had been pointed out like there's risks of childhood cancer. So, I mean, it happens so often that even if the general medical establishment accepts that it doesn't always mean we're right. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. A glaring one, just in addition to that is, you know, four to five doctors, I think this was part of, and I might be wrong, but I think it was in the 50s, and said that smoking was actually good for you. You know, not just wasn't bad for you, but that actually was a good product. It was a good idea to smoke cigarettes. So yeah, there's uh, more than enough evidence to show that doctors are humans, right? <laughs> the wrong before. So enough to be questioned, certainly, but yeah, incredible. So let's go back a little bit. I'm sorry, continue telling us we veered off course a bit about what was happening at Western for you. So you're trying to finish uh, your year or get back into your school year. Oh, like when I tried to uh, go back this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, like I said, I was on a medical leave of absence and I needed um, my doctor to clear me to return to the program, but he didn't treat me given the nature of my condition, I had to have um, an evaluation by a physiotherapist so that you know he'd actually know what we were dealing with. So that was what I was working on over this past summer, and um, it got a little bit delayed because I have had a couple bouts of illness, and you know how you're kind of in isolation these days if you're ill. So <laughs> I finally uh, was able to have the physio assess me and they cleared me to return to the program and I submitted that information to my doctor and he wrote me up a note and I submitted that, that to my program on the morning of the 19th and um, which is obviously I would have liked it a little bit earlier but I'm like okay fine um, that that was okay and then Monday, right at 4.31, they announced the mandates officially, although I think it was on their website a little earlier, Western's website. And then Tuesday, the chair of the program emailed me and she said, in light of uh, Western's uh, mandate, like including the booster um, announcement, are you coming back to the program? And I said, well, yes, I'm planning on coming back. And um, so... But the thing is, I had told her, um, probably against my better judgment, but this summer I, I was concerned about placement requ requirements because I know not all placement sites, but a lot of them require um, a vaccine. So I had, I didn't want to like hide it. And um, so I told her like, I'm concerned about this. And she said, well, you need a medical um, exemption. And I was like, and I looked everywhere. I'm like, I'd asked so many people, do you know anyone who's willing to write a medical exemption? And every time I was told, well, they're scared. And, you know, it's a risk to doctors to do that. So um, I was like, wait, and I was like, wait a minute, like a medical exemption, like 
ex religious exemptions on this are on the same page and I had mentioned that to the chair but she just was like oh a religious oh, well okay whatever like she didn't know I had religion I guess so I'm like eventually was like okay it'll have to be a religious exemption um but yeah so I was like well I didn't I really really didn't want to write that out because I don't agree in that um you should have to have a religion to say what's affected into your body I don't I, I shouldn't have to use my religion to, to say that like obviously it directs my moral code and that's part of the reason why I've been skeptical of this but like it's it really really, really was abhorrent to me and then I was like well you know what you might have to do it Julie so um, I had someone lined up to write me a letter and I was pretty pretty pessimistic throughout the summer I was like in June I was like oh yeah they're gonna mandate boosters Western will because they're one of the worst universities for that you know they never even dropped their mandates during the summer um and then the narrative started changing a little bit and maybe even starting in July definitely in August like everyone was getting COVID and finally the CDC had to admit to treat vax and unvax the same and I'm like they're gonna have a hard time justifying their mandates and I was still worried but I was kind of optimistic because you know we're humans and we have to be optimistic and um you know Western was I think was going to announce the announce the uh the mandate or lack thereof I was hoped um on on the week of August 8th and then they didn't and then I got pushed back and pushed back and then suddenly on the 28th they're like you need to be boosted I'm like I was almost in disbelief I shouldn't have been and then I'm like okay I've got to write an ex exemption now and I'm like and and how are they with um with accepting exemptions like how you know have they been very strict with it and, and not really letting many of them go through or people who write a religious one do they always get accepted um <laughs> you no. look like that's gonna be no <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right away when they announced them in uh, august of 2021 we got an email and, they, and we said very few exemptions will be accepted like just trying to almost like intimidate and the funny thing is at first i wanted a medical exemption because well partly because i think it is a medical issue but i thought that western would have to accept a medical exemption and then i was like i was asking people for them and they were like medical exemptions are refused at a higher rate rate them religious exemptions and I was like what are you for real and they're like yeah because they have a harder time proving that um you know it it'll harm it won't harm your body then um it, it that is then goes against your beliefs and then western has only 10 a list of 10 conditions most of which are like prior injury to the vaccine or at least an mRNA vaccine which most words aren't and so you can't get it so yeah most of the exemptions will be rejected on religious or medical so it's just unbelievable because you think that yeah, exactly what they're saying. They're saying that essentially you need to really, from my understanding, you pretty much need to have a specific allergic reaction or had allergic reaction to say something that's actually listed in the ingredients of the vaccine. But they have completely denied in the sense that, you know, there's anything else that would cause lead you to harm from taking the vaccine. So even myocarditis, right? Myocarditis for young people is a legitimate concern the higher rate of, of injury than it actually is the negative outcome or death of COVID for young people. So, I mean, even that, right, we have right, right there, a completely legitimate reason to have a medical exemption. And it's amazing that physicians, our family physicians or whoever, a doctor would sign the paperwork for you, write a medical exemption, and then it gets denied by a person at the school. Like, like who is this? Who's denying these, right? Like, who? they're basically saying that they're above 
the, you know, the relationship that you have with your physician, which is just incredible. So exactly. Did you find too, so yeah, I just wanted to say, Julie, do you find too that the date of the, um, the announcement of the, this mandate coming on for this fall semester, the 28th, do you find that was almost kind of set out to, to catch students off guard, you know, take advantage of the time where they're kind of transitioning into school? Like, do you think and of that? already paid tuition? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Like I was talking in one of my groups and I was like, oh, just wait, they're going to uh, put it on when people have um, paid their tuition, you know, like that, that would just be like them. And I think it was intentional because like I said, like they were initially going to, um, they were going to announce it earlier. So people have paid tuition, you know, they're really stuck there. I know one person was like, well, I really want to hold off paying my rent as long as possible because maybe I won't be able to go. And um, now it leaves us in a position where I was like, they're saying it's my fault. I should have applied for an exemption early summer, apparently. Although I, don't, I didn't know you could even apply for an exemption to a mandate it, that did not exist, right? Because there was no fall mandate. But apparently it's my fault that I did it. I should have done that. Oops. So yeah, I think it was very deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. How, how could you, Julie, how could you not get an exemption when there was no, no mandate? Yeah, shame on you. Why do you think they're doing this? Because it doesn't seem to align with the science. You were saying uh, the CDC too had uh, released a statement saying that we should treat vaccinated and unvaccinated the same, that um, even if a student has been exposed to the virus, that they should be allowed to attend classes all that that stuff. Why do you think Western is choosing not to align with actual facts and science? And this would be speculation, of course. Yeah, it's tough because you know they say don't attribute to you know malice what you contribute to what was it ignorance. I don't remember, and I think I at, first, at the beginning of this pandemic, what do you want to call it? I kept thinking that people were just ignorant, but I think there is a lot more ill intent than we think. Um, and I mean, you could just say Western is, I think to a large extent following the money, like the grants they get from the federal government, those speak a lot. And I think the universities, like they conduct research for the pharmaceutical companies, right? Um, so it is in their best interest to keep them funded. And, you know, sometimes there are profs who might get uh, funding from, pharmaceutical companies so yeah you get there's too much advantage for them to keep mandates on and say well you have to have these these products made by the pharmaceutical companies in order to attend our campus so I think money speaks a lot I think there's a lot of ideology like they I think a lot of people truly believe that we would get out of this pandemic with vaccines and most vaccines to provide sterilizing immunity. So I think when we call these products vaccines, people are like, it's, it's, they'll save us, you know, even though we, you know, we, if you do the research in coronaviruses and their vaccines, it's actually pretty dismal. So I think they truly believed it. And now there's, they should be realizing it doesn't work. And they should also realize that vaccines rely on the premises of natural immunity. So say I have natural immunity, then if my natural immunity doesn't work, vaccines don't. So I think they're kind of trying to, they've been deluded and they keep trying to do it. And they, some of them actually truly believe that if we just make people get vaccines again and again, even though it's not working, it'll somehow work. Yeah, yeah. And it's so true. I mean, it's, it's really that, I think in this, what you said earlier, it's following, you follow the money. Like it's shown even in, in their guideline for the mandate itself, 
is that if you're a possible donor or a donor, so this might be a good little excuse for you here, Julian, getting into campus. If you're a possible donor, you don't need to be vaccinated to be on campus. So like, I mean, really following the money again, it's just, it's incredible. It really does seem to be that way. Yeah. Someone in my group apparently already already phoned up and asked, they're like, if I donate, donate to Western, can I, can I be exempt from the policy? And they're like, no, that only applies to visiting donors. Oh, darn it. That's oh <laughs> we were that close. Gosh. <laughs> they thought about that already. Um, also, just a, a side note, what is the masking policy? Is it just any like cloth masks or anything? Or is it N95s that you have to wear? Since what's happening at the University of Manitoba, you have to wear the KN95 in particular. Okay, I thought it was just surgical masks. I wasn't paying a lot of attention because that wasn't my primary concern, but I'm pretty sure it was surgical masks and it's not in all the universities, it's just in instructional space. So I could walk around spreading COVID, uh, you know, in the hallways, but not when I sit down in the classroom because that's when I'll be wearing my mask, I guess. None of it yeah. makes sense. None of that makes sense at all. And two, if the campus is all triple vaccinated students, isn't it at that point, like, well, if the vaccine works, then you shouldn't have to wear masks at all, like, then students won't have COVID. Um, it really just, there's so many questions that one has to ask uh, themselves with that. Um, Do you find, so, oh, sorry. Go, no, sorry. no, go ahead. Oh, no, okay. Well, I'll just say real quickly, too. Um, maybe it's a little bit off topic, but in this sense, Julie, do you find, too, that, like, almost by kind of... A, complying with this mandate, it's kind of, maybe it's the wrong way to word it, but you'll have to correct me if it is, weeding out somewhat of, of the kind of critical thinkers and, or, you know, ensuring that people whose ide ideology might not really align with the universities are, are therefore kind of prevented or discouraged from actually coming on to the university. That's, I thought I've been having recently, I wanted to get your opinion on that. Do you kind of feel like that? Because there's a lot of odd stuff going on at universities right now alone, you know, with kind of the cancel culture wave. And, and I'm wondering if that was kind of you may, might, might think that way. I think it doesn't have a lot to do with it, actually. Um, like even with the booster policy, I'm like, well, wait a minute, then if you have to be boosted by October 1st, then it, you would have to have at least your primary series. And now they're saying, well, if you can, if as long as you become, you get your booster within 14 months or 14 days of becoming eligible for your booster, you're okay. But that's the thing, right? We're getting rid of people who don't agree with our ideology. You know, like I'm not a good obedient student, I question everything. And the university doesn't want to teach us how to think, they want to teach us what to think. I've really noticed that throughout my undergrad and even uh, in my first year of my master's. So I don't make a really good uh, subject of their, you know, lordship over my mind. And I think they are really trying to weed us out because, you know, we're the leaders of tomorrow. We have positions of influence. So if they get rid of us from the universities, then, you know, we don't, we don't have as much of a voice. And if we do want to stay in the universities, we have to conform to their policy. So we have to change our mindset. We can't believe that, you know, we've been deluded into doing things that we, you know, maybe shouldn't have done or that weren't right. So yeah, they're either going to change our minds or say, get out. I think it's so funny that you said, I'm not a good uh, student because I question things. And it's like, <laughs> In their eyes, that's not a good student because they don't want uh, students to think critically and they're not teaching students critical thinking skills. I noticed that in my own university and or college rather, and I was I was really frustrated by that. I was like, they're not 
They're not teaching us to think for ourselves and just giving us the information. They're telling us what information we have to, or like what, what viewpoint to have, which is very dangerous. And something else that I thought I'd, I'd bring up that I thought was really interesting is there are a, a very unequal um, number of sort of left-leaning teachers as opposed to right-leaning. And someone looked into that. They, they kind of tried to find out why is this? Is it because conservatives aren't applying to these teaching positions? That's actually not the case. It's because in the um, interview process, they weed out who is left-leaning and who is right-leaning, and they hire predominantly left-leaning teachers, which is really dangerous to have in an academic space where you should be having different viewpoints and debates and things like that. They'd ask them questions on diversity, equity, inclusion, um, even like things about BLM, things like that to make sure they align with that those sort of ideologies. And I, I just thought that was so shocking because then it, it becomes this um, echo chamber of left-leaning ideology. And that's just not what you should have in these uh, spaces of, of learning and education. It's incredible. It's been quite a few undercover exposés even now too, catching people in positions of uh, school boards or uh, heads of schools, principals and such saying these things like, yeah, we don't, we don't hire these kinds of people or, you know, we, we, again, we weed out the, the conservative voice. It's quite funny too, in the sense, because we've really become distorted on what's left and right because the left used to be for critical or for, for free speech, right. For, for debate that used to be kind of their, one of their main platforms. So it's funny to even wonder what, who they are now, like, you know, what, yeah. what group yeah. would you even call them? Because they've so deviated from that, uh, you know, former standard, but yeah, amazing. Yeah. Really interesting. All right, so I think too, we can move on to what do you think is, is gonna happen in the future? Um, what are your sort of predictions as to where this is all going? Do you think the, the mandates are gonna stay? Do you think Western's gonna buckle due to the pressure? Um, what are your thoughts? Cause you know, students have been standing up and there've been protests. Um, what do you think is gonna happen? Um. I honestly don't think Western is going to buckle on these mandates because they're setting a precedent. And what I've been noticing and people in my student groups have been noticing is that the universities follow each other, right? Like first it was, oh, um, you will have to be vaccinated to be in residence. And then, you know, one university announced it for all students and the next followed. So I think Western's trying to be the leader. They think they're pretty prestigious and they're taking the lead and they've been the most audacious this whole time. So if they have to cave based on pressure from students, then you know that's brought, that's going to negatively impact the other universities' ability to put these mandates on. So they're not going to cave. Yeah. They were even bragging, I think, too, when they first announced them. They're one of the first universities back in 2021, if I'm getting that correct, to announce that they're putting in mandates. And they're quite proud of that being the first and all to, to have them. Yeah. Yeah. They're still quite proud. Now they're on a par with like Yale and Harvard for having these mandates apparently. <laughs> Amazing. Unreal. Yeah. Nothing yeah. to nothing to boast about. It's it's kind of just like the individuals on social media. I I had to just leave my own personal social media account alone, like log out of it, because I was seeing all these people, you know, posting the the sticker, you know, I'm vaccinated and just virtue signaling um, that, you know, look what I've done. And I'm like, it's not like, if you think that's, what's good, good, but I don't think you're getting this vaccine necessarily because you think you need this medicine. I think you're doing it because you think that's what everyone's doing. And that's a smart 
thing to do. Why do you think people are acting this way? Or like, um, I've just, yeah, I've just noticed we, we learned these lessons when we were kids. I'd see in the, in the grade three classroom, those posters that would have, you know, fish swimming one way and there'd be one fish going the other way. And it was like, think for yourself, don't follow the crowd. And I felt like growing up, we were always taught those lessons. And it just seems like everyone's forgotten those lessons. They've forgotten, you know, don't bully. I mean, that was something I noticed right from the beginning was why is Fauci bullying us? And why is Justin Trudeau a leader speaking um, about unvaccinated people in such a derogatory uh, fashion? Uh, this is not what we should be hearing from leaders in a time where they should be uniting us. Um, why do you Why do you think people have... <laughs> lost just their a, minds <laughs> yeah that's just a small little question there so it should be easy to answer <laughs> yeah, no, very loaded question yeah, yeah I, I give you the loaded yeah <laughs> we really don't even have leaders anymore do we because a leader is there to serve his or her followers they're there to move towards a common goal and you know serve each other so i think that's probably don't have leaders and we don't have people teaching in our schools who teach people how to be leaders either like we were talking about we're just we're we're the we're the type of people who just kind of go with like the whole school of fish there's not there's not one little fish swimming against the current we just kind of kind of go as a mob so i think we've kind of lost our ability to critically think and then we just think we have to go along with everybody and we don't even know what it's like to not go along with what's popular and i think we we just it, it almost scares us we it doesn't even occur to us that that's a possibility so we think that since everyone does it you know when we don't know any different that that's the only right way to do it so we see everyone do it and we're like okay that's how that's how i act and that's yeah and it makes you feel good right people feel very proud like you said they're virtue signaling they're like look i did what's popular i'm such a good person okay yeah. Yeah, and you're, exactly. and you're being cruel to people and making fun of people because they haven't done what you've done, which is so good. I've, I've just never understood that mentality. Even I feel like if I was, you know, completely pro vaccine and, and triple vaccinated, I still wouldn't understand why people are, are treating one another that way. And I noticed that before the pandemic, and I'm not sure about you, but there was this culture forming prior to the pandemic that I think sort of set us up for this direction. Like it's not just the messages that Fauci and Trudeau and other politicians were putting forth. It was like this um, cancel culture sort of mob mentality that was growing really fast just a couple of years before. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely coming. Like I noticed it um, coming, like I said, in the cancel culture and everything. We already had our acceptable views and those who deviated from them were really you know, being pushed out of the public sphere. And I think COVID just kind of, it really brought it out in us and just kind of showed um, how fast can go and the destructiveness of it. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely, yeah. So I kind of like to close uh, interviews with, with students especially and just ask, what's like um, a, a piece of advice you would have for other students in your position? Because I, it's really hard to speak up and what you're doing, I, I have to, you know, uh, applaud you for that. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, but yeah, what, what advice do you have for not, I guess, not only students, but just other individuals who feel like they're kind of in the same, same position where they feel stuck or trapped? Well, for one thing, don't disclose your vaccine status. That is your personal medical information and the university has no right to it. Um, they will 
they will use it against you. Um, and along with that, I would tell students not to be so afraid. I mean, I'm almost ashamed to say that in the sense that, you know, I applied for an exemption and therefore I disclosed my medical status. I did that because, like I said, I have placement requirements. And since, you know, I'm required to fulfill my placement requirements, um, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I should be hiding it from the university. So that's why I disclosed, but then I had to go the exemption route and the exemption route is they treat you like garbage, you know, how rude they've been and saying, this is all your fault. And they took away my access to my courses. Well, they refused to give it to me. So I'm like, okay, don't disclose your vaccination status, but don't let them cow you into submission either. Um, I would also probably tell students, you know, I know it's tough, but exemptions are not going to get us out of this. Cause we look what's happening. You know, I probably won't get an exemption. And even if I was one of the lucky ones, what makes me able to get an exemption and the people who have serious medical conditions, they can't get exemptions. Or even if they don't have serious medical conditions, they should all have the right to say what's injected into the body. So unfortunately applying for an exemption is not going to get us out, out of this, I, you know, I thought initially it, it would be fine, like, so long as I could get through my education, and I know some of my people in my group at um, Concerned Students of Ontario, they're like, you know, this won't get, this won't get you out, we, you need a future, you need a job, and I was finally like, that is the ugly truth, you know, these mandates represent so much more than just an individual student who can or can't get through, they represent a cultural problem and we need to stand against this and so i think honestly like i said i went this way because of my program but i would say you know what students have every right to go to class i don't care if you've had one vaccine or two vaccines or three or none you know i think we need to show people that we are respect respectful people i know like obviously stay home when you're sick but that, you know, we can come to class, we can attend with other people, we have the right to learn, we have the ability to learn, we are not second class citizens, even though we don't agree with your ideology. And I think we need to start, you know, living like we used to, and also, yeah, stand up and say, like, look, we have to, this isn't, this isn't right what we're doing, so. Oh, I so could well, not agree more. Agree yeah, more. that was unbelievable. So well said. It's such a great point. Yeah, you started to ask yourself too, like, what kind of jobs, you know, really would we even be getting when it, they could so easily, you know, go against our consciousness? Like, it's not a fun life to live either in that sense where we've, you know, applied to all these mandates just in the sense of getting a job. And then we're continually forced throughout our lives to to not be able to speak or say anything because that's, you know, the way we've gone. And, and another great point, I, I'm just, I'm so thrilled you brought up was that we really don't need an exemption. And I want that point kind of reiterated again to people that, you know, you have, if you're young, wherever, I don't, you know, in any circumstance, if you're old, young, whatever, and you don't want it, you do not need a medical or religious exemption, you know, if it goes against your consciousness or, you know, your beliefs. So uh, I just wanted that point said again, because I feel it's many too, in many cases, we are wondering how do we, we navigate this by kind of going through their system. And it's, it's a little bit dangerous when we do that as well. So um, the whole yeah. system needs to go the whole thing it's like no 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 we we get to decide this you don't have a right to to access our personal medical information we shouldn't 
have to ask you for permission to go to school just because we've chosen not to get a vaccine. None of this can stay and we have to shut the whole thing down. And that's the thing, Firm right? No. The more, sorry, like the more and more we go along with it, the more and more power we give them to, we're like, okay, if you make me get a vaccine to go to school, I guess I have to. And it's easier said than done, they go against it. But the thing is they just get more and more powerful almost like i remember looking at our politicians being like they're almost like power drunk and i'm like we have to stand up and say what we're doing is not right because you know it's not just hurting us it's hurting our futures it's hurting our future generation too right Absolutely. exactly because yeah. we need people like you in these fields like we need people who are going to respect bodily autonomy and ethics and if if all those people are gone there's going to be people who did comply and get you know the third fourth shot whatever it is who don't agree with this, that's great. But the fact of the matter is the majority are not going to be those people. There's going to be a lot of people who are weeded out through these policies. Mm -hmm. And that's really concerning to all these different industries, right? Like all these different areas. Do we want our all these um, places run by people who were not able to think for themselves and see what was happening? But I have to say that was perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And Maybe we'll have you back some point if, if you're up for that. Sounds good. Awesome. Sounds Thank good. you so much, Julie. Thank have you, Julie. Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye.